I want to invite you to turn back. If you remember, we were studying in the book of James. And we have gotten to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. And I want to begin reading at verse 1. And I'll invite you to stand with me. I'm going to read down through verse 12. Let's stand in honor of the reading of God's word. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they're turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it, is, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea, is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men. Who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives? Or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. You may be seated. A wise school teacher sent a note home to parents of all the children the first day of school every year. And the note simply said, if you promise not to believe everything your child says happens at school, I promise not to believe everything he or she says happens at home. Walter Winchell is credited with creating the newspaper gossip column. And he once said, gossip is the art of saying nothing in a way that leaves practically nothing unsaid. An anonymous writer once said, a gossip is someone who can give you all the details without knowing any of the facts. And perhaps that's why Oscar Wilde famously said at a dinner party, if you haven't got something nice to say about anybody, come over and sit next to me. He's also credited with saying, there's only one thing in the world worse than being talked about, and that's not being talked about. See, it's hard for us to resist a juicy morsel of gossip, isn't it? Despite the universal 
transcultural and biblical prohibition against gossip, we still fall for a juicy bit of gossip. The Bible has plenty to say about gossip. 1 Timothy 5.13 says, Besides, they get into a habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. Proverbs 17.9 tells us, He who covers an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. It's easy to forget that a person who gossips to you will just as easily gossip about you. A person who will gossip to you will most likely also gossip about you. The tongue is a small but very powerful instrument. The tongue can have an effect that's every bit as influential as the rudder of a ship. Think about the power of words that we hear. Think about the power of words we speak over the course of our lives. The youth league coach or junior high coach who says, you're not good enough to play. You're too small, you're too slow, or you're, you're just not a good enough athlete. Michael Jordan knows about that. He was cut from the basketball team. Or a parent or teacher who says, girls should stay away from science and math. That's just not their forte. Or someone in the Bible study who says, you can't be a Christian and believe that. Or the kid in high school in the cafeteria who says, you're such a loser. What powerful words we often use. How about the abusive neighbor or relative who says, don't tell your parents. No one will believe you. James knows the devastating power of words. And that's why he says, consider how great a forest is set on fire by such a small spark. And then he says, but the tongue is also a fire. He knows that the tongue can be used to discourage and derail, to dismay and deceive and destroy precious children of God. He describes it as a restless evil full of deadly poison. Is there any way for us to tame the tongue? The challenge for us is to, to talk like a Christian, to control our tongues. And that means that we don't use our tongues to, to bless our, our Father and Lord one minute and then curse people who are made in His image the next. So it's not appropriate for us to, 
to offer enthusiastic praise and worship of God on Sunday and then call our co-workers ugly names on Monday. Martin Marty says, one of the real problems in our society is that people who are good at being kind often lack strong convictions, while people who have strong convictions often have trouble being kind. Think about that. How many people do we know who are nice people? They're friendly, they're courteous, they're kind, but they don't have any convictions on which to stand. And then how many Christians do we know who believe all the right stuff, but they're so mean and hateful to people that nobody wants to be around them? Charles Spurgeon made this indicting observation. He said, the bucket of the mouth reveals what's in the well of the heart. The bucket of the mouth reveals what is in the well of the heart. So to talk like a Christian, we need to speak to other people with the full awareness that each one is created in the image of Almighty God. When we look at a beautiful sunset or a roaring ocean, a majestic mountain, we see the creation of God, His handiwork. When we look at another human being, we're also looking at God's handiwork. We're looking at someone who is created by Him in His own image. breathed into being by the very breath of God. There's a holiness that's built into each human being, a sacredness that comes straight from our Creator. We must honor that. We can't overlook this quality. Even in the worst of human beings, or what we might consider to be the worst, Would any of us dare to ever speak a, a disparaging or, or discouraging word or destructive word or a, a deceptive word to the Lord Jesus? Of course not. We would be on our best behavior and use our very best speech. Our respect for God is, is far too high. So why do we behave this way towards people who are created in his image by him and our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, it's, it's difficult to see the image of God in someone who's committed a, a, a heinous crime. Remember Sister Helen, the author of Dead Man Walking? She believed that every person is worth more than their worst act. I like the way she put that. Every person is worth more than their worst act. She also believed that every human bears the image of God. 
even if that person has strayed away from the walk that God has laid out before them. In 1982, she began corresponding with a death row inmate, and she ministered to him right up until his execution. After he took responsibility for his crimes of murder and rape, Sister Helen said to him, you have dignity now. Nobody can ever take that from you. You're a son of God. If we can believe that about a death row inmate, we can believe it about our most annoying neighbors. We can believe it about our most irritating relatives. In addition, to talk like a Christian means that our words are a reflection of the Word of God. If we go way back to the book of Genesis, we see that God's Word is creative, never destructive. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures, and there were all kinds of fish, large and small. God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind. And there are cattle and, and creeping things and all types of wild animals. And God saw everything he made and he said, this is good. It's good. It's clear that God's words are designed to be creative, to bring about order in the midst of chaos, to make something good. Can the same be said of our words? The words that you and I speak, not when we're in church, but when we're outside of the walls of the church, when we're in our homes, when we're on our jobs, when we're at the market. Before we open our mouths to speak, we would be wise to consider the Genesis test. Think about the words God spoke in Genesis. Ask yourself, is it creative? Does it bring order out of chaos? And does it create something good? If not, it's probably best to keep silent and not to speak the words that maybe we're thinking. Now, we've all been guilty at some time or other of, of speaking before thinking, right? And, you know, some, some people say, I'm, I'm usually, uh, I'm, I'm really good at, at realizing, you know, when I've, when I've uh, messed up and, and, and the things that I've said, and it's, it's usually right about the time I'm pulling my foot out of my mouth. You know, it, it, we, we can't help we're human. We make that mistake often. But it would pay for us before we speak to stop and think, to be slow to speak, and to ask ourselves, is what I'm about to say creative? Does it bring about order instead of chaos? And does it bring forth something good? James is aware that our tongues can be both creative and destructive. 
And he knows that our words don't always pass that Genesis test. From the same mouth, he says, come blessings and cursings. He says, this should not be. He has deep regret that we're guilty of saying some of the things we do. I remember a small town we lived in one time, the, um, the police chief was a young lady, very, very friendly, very good police chief from all accounts. And I remember one time when she just really, uh, in the presence of several other folks, she just really went off and said some really colorful, uh, ugly things that, that, that surprised me. And before I could get my mouth up off the floor, one of the, one of the men right nearby was a friend. He said, do you, do you kiss your mama with that same mouth? And she stopped and thought about it and realized that the things she was saying were not creative. They were not constructed. They were not good. It's better for us to sometimes keep our mouths shut than to pollute the creative words that God has given us with a destructive word of, of gossip or unfair criticism. There was a man who once lived in the a highland village in Scotland. And he had this fellow that he saw as a rival in town for popularity. And he passed along a story, a rumor, that he heard about this other gentleman. He didn't know if it was true or not, but he passed it along as truth. And the rumor spread throughout the village, and it utterly destroyed his rival. He lost his family, his job, his dignity, all devastated by a rumor. And he finally had to leave town, ruined and defeated. Sometime later, the man who had spread the rumor found out that indeed it was not true and was far from the truth. And he began to feel guilty, so he went to his pastor. He said, Pastor, I've destroyed a man with my words. Please, I'm sorry. Can I be forgiven this sin? And the pastor said, Well, it's not quite so simple as being sorry. He said, I want you to take a bag of feathers and I want you to place a feather in the front lawn of every house in the village. The man thought it was a strange assignment, but he agreed because he really wanted to be forgiven. And he came back to the pastor and he said, I've done what you, what you asked. Now can I be forgiven? 
And the pastor said, not yet. He said, first, I want you to go back. Retrace your steps and bring back to me every feather that you placed in front of the homes in our village. And the man said, I can't. He said, why not? He said, the, the wind has carried the feathers far away. There, there's no way that I could find them all now. It can't be done. And the pastor said, in like manner, your careless words, which cannot be taken back, have destroyed a man's life. I hate to admit it, but I know numerous Christians, some of them who were at some time very active as leaders even in their churches, some even ordained ministers who will not darken the door of a church because they've been unfairly criticized or they've had lies or rumors spread about them in church by professing Christians. It's unacceptable. We're talking about other children of God. We've got to love one another. Someone has wisely defined a mature Christian as someone who would not hesitate to sell his talking parrot to the town gossip. If you had a talking parrot, would you sell it to the town gossip? When we talk like Christians, we speak in a way that, that lines up with the teachings of Jesus, the one who is the Word in human form. And this is an enormous challenge for us because Jesus takes words very seriously. Jesus issues numerous warnings about the consequences of what we say, about our language. For Jesus, words are never cheap, and words always pack a punch. If you've been a part of our Wednesday night Bible study, as we've studied the Sermon on the Mount, you're familiar with a lot of what he's had to say about our words, our motives. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not murder. No surprise there. But then he goes on to say, but I tell you that if you're angry with a brother or sister, you'll be liable to judgment. And if you say you fool, you'll be liable to hellfire. He warns us also in the Sermon on the Mount against using empty phrases in our prayers and just rambling on and on. He tells us not to judge others. He wraps up everything he says there at the end of the sermon by saying, do to others as you would have them do to you. You know, just about every religion in the world has that sim a similar statement to that. Every religious book tradition has a similar statement 
but almost all of them are written in the negative. And it sounds something like, don't do something to someone else you wouldn't want done unto you. But Jesus states it in a positive. He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. See, Jesus is never passive. and doesn't want us to be passive about our faith. Jesus knows that our words have the power to build up and the power to tear down. So words are as important as actions. Talking is more than just chit-chat, according to Jesus. Talking is a matter of life and death. The words that we speak are words of love and forgiveness. And they have a radically different impact than words of hate and condemnation. All of this coming from the small part of our body we call the tongue. As the word of God in flesh, Jesus takes all of this very personally. Here's some of what we can find in the book of Proverbs. In Proverbs 12, 19, we read, The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but a moment. In Proverbs 12, 22, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's a strong statement. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. You know, so many people are quick to tell a white lie, a white lie, a harmless lie, if you will. Is there such a thing? They that deal truly are his delight. But lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That tells me there's no excuse for God's children to lie. And that we're, we bring him to light when we're honest people, when we tell the truth. In Proverbs 17, 4, a wicked doer gives heed to false lips. And a liar gives ear to an naughty tongue. In Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those that are afflicted by it. And a flattering mouth works ruin. In Proverbs 10, 18, he that hides hatred with lying lips and he that utters slander is a fool. You want some good advice about how to live your life? Read through one of the chapters of Proverbs every day. Start at the beginning and whatever you're reading as you're reading your Bible, whatever plan you have for reading the Bible, or if you don't have one at all, 
add a chapter of Proverbs every day to it. A lot of wisdom. That's what it is. It's a book of wisdom. And what practical and wonderful advice we receive from the book of Proverbs. If we talk like Christians, we're, we'll find ourselves on a, on a wonderful adventure with Jesus. As opposed to those who use words that have no positive um, purpose. If you've ever, and we all have at some time or other, told a lie, would you ever notice how whenever you tell a lie, it just keeps snowballing? You have to tell lie after lie after lie to cover up to the point where you begin to lose track of the lies. It's so much easier just to tell the truth. but it's hard for us to control the tongue. The tongue may be too powerful to be tamed, but the tongue can be harnessed like a bridle on a horse that controls it to say the proper things, to be used in the proper way for the building up of the kingdom of God for the health of the church, for the salvation of souls, for the encouragement of those who are down. Think about the most difficult thing you've ever heard from someone in church, something negative. Sometime in our lives, we've all been there. We've heard words that hurt us. But then think about those positive words that have been spoken by loving, godly men and women to encourage us, to build us up, to help us. What a, what a turnaround. What a powerful thing words are. Words can destroy, but words can build up. The negative words, the, the destructive words, they have no place in our lives as Christians, in our churches, in our homes. The positive words... They can make all the difference in the world to someone who's hurting, to someone who needs to hear something positive, something good, something encouraging. Every creature, James says, can be tamed 
but the tongue can't be tamed. We have to be very careful. Choose our words carefully. You know, and some people find it a little humorous. They say, well, I just don't have a filter. I, I just say whatever comes up, whatever comes up, comes out. We all know people like that, don't we? And, and it is humorous at times. But be careful. And think about the damage that can be done because we don't take the time to filter our words. Because we don't take the time to intentionally speak words of encouragement, hope, positive. Now people know when we're being phony too, so we have to be careful about that. But we must intentionally speak positive words. Words, you know, we, we say sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's what we say as children. But it's not true, is it? Words do hurt. So we have to be careful. And we have to recognize that what we say to other people matters. I think James, while he deals a lot about our faith, I think he's on to something here with our words, with tongues, and what a powerful tool our tongues are for good or evil. The key is, it's up to us to surrender completely to Christ. Not just our hearts, not just our minds, but our tongues as well.